Welcome to Canada's Property Management Podcast, your number one resource for investing, managing, and maximizing the value of your real estate assets. And now, here's your hosts, Carla Brown and Adrian Schultz, Canada's rental property experts. One. No, I have not, but I am patiently awaiting my cheesecake. And on that note, who doesn't love to feed cheesecake to their team, right? Yeah, I'm I'm actually thinking about like somehow getting myself into Winnipeg in the next 20 or so minutes. Totally impossible, right? But <laughs> there might come a time though, Adrian. So, you know, this could actually start off our conversation because we can bring in a little bit about how fast technology has been moving. And there might be a time when actually you can say, you know what, Carla, you want to come for some cheesecake? I just ordered cheesecake for my team. And I would say, be right there. And all of a sudden from Saskatchewan to Manitoba, we could make that happen. So never say never, because this is another interesting story. I'm going to tell you before we dive into this, our listeners are like, what are they talking about today? There's Um, a point here. We're getting to it. You're like, there's all these, they they often wonder what we're talking about. Right. And so I remember sitting in, this is kind of going to date me sitting in my office and I used to work in a century 21 office. Okay. And so I was always there early morning. And if you know the real estate people, either you're a morning person or you're a night person. So the same people would come in the morning. So there's this one individual that used to come almost every single morning. He thought I was there to have coffee, but really I was there to work. (laughs) But often he would like plunk himself down in front of my desk and have a conversation with me. And we started talking about email because email actually wasn't something that everybody had at that time. And he's like, there's going to come a point in time. I know you're shuddering. Yeah, I'm what, not look, old. Before, so, I mean, I had a BlackBerry. I thought that dated me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was really young, okay? Yeah. You <laughs> even he, know what a facil a, a, a facilimi? <laughs> no, facilimi? What's a fax machine called? Facilimi? Facilimi? Uh, we all, I always called them fax machines, but you could like, yeah, they were spelt facilimi. You're right. If you want to have that pronunciation. And we used those back in the day as well. And he said, there's going to come in time when everybody has their own email. I'm like, whoa. Mind blown. (laughs) Right? So you know what? I I had one child at the time, but I didn't have two. So when I had my second child, I got them an email address right away. Because I just thought like, that's what you need. Like everyone needed an email address. Never, it never got used because I think it was probably, it was probably an AOL address. (laughs) Actually, we are going down the wrong path, but I had to get Ava an email address for her to be able to use the iPad in kids mode. Yeah. My daughter had to get one for my granddaughter on Gmail for something, which was so weird. Anyways, we're really digressing. We are here to talk today, believe it or not, about the mortgage industry. (laughs) That was a three-minute monologue entry. So far, we've talked about cheesecake and we've talked about email addresses Uh, And we have not hit our topic, the mortgage industry. The landscape is changing, Adrian, and you are an expert in this field. Uh, So I really want to try to bring some light to our listeners because I've really been hearing a lot in the news, a lot about like private lenders or non-bank lenders. And a lot of people don't understand what that means. And I think it's becoming more common for real estate investors to start looking at different options as uh, we see interest rates climb a little bit. Sure. So something that uh, probably many people will be aware of is qualifying rate. That's the the rate that you qualify with for a mortgage. Some of our listeners may be familiar with the term TDS, GDS, or GDS, TDS, uh, your total debt service and your gross debt service ratios, and the allowable being 3944 on an insured 
mortgage. So once you're outside the 3944 debt service ratios, you're into a conventional mortgage with 20% down or more. Sometimes it's more with a rental property. Obviously, with the higher interest rates, right, with the qualifying, the stress test rates, you qualify for less. But if you use alternative lending, sometimes called B lending, those mm-hmm. ratios are much more flexible and, and they can range, right? They're going to be in that 50s range. There's lenders that may do more, lenders that will do less. But it's it's no longer a prime A mortgage, okay? So it's I would say it's primarily due to the interest rates rising that the usage of alternative products is increasing. But there's endless alternative mortgage products out there, not just for rental properties. There's you know, many different, there's equity-based lending as well, et cetera. So the minute that you don't qualify for a regular insured high ratio mortgage, you're into a conventional mortgage with 20% down, you can be into an alternative mortgage or the worst case scenario, not worst as in bad, but like the last option is a private mortgage, okay? So that means you didn't qualify for traditional financial institution lending. And let's qualify financial institution. There's balance sheet or bank lenders. There's insurance companies that lend money. I would just call them a financial institution. Of course, there's credit unions, which have a whole rule book of their own. There's a credit union act that's separate and apart from the bank act and the mortgage act. There's a credit union act, right? And then into the private lending world, which is, I would argue, still the least regulated of all, which is why governments and regulators go out of their way specifically to protect the consumer from being taken advantage of from private lenders. So I think that private lending, it, it, has, a, it has a role to play in the investment real estate world, but in most cases, private lending is probably just a short-term solution, and that's because of the cost involved with private lending mortgage rates. They are going to be significantly higher in most cases than traditional lending, which is where you really have to evaluate the feasibility of that lending product, that mortgage. Do you still cash flow positive? Can you still service all the expenses with a property? I think it's great when you're looking to buy and flip. That's where private's Mm going to come into play regularly. If you're looking to quickly buy and renovate and then refinance back into traditional, that's probably a private alternative play because a lot of traditional banks do not want a derelict property. They want a livable um, uh, property that they can easily claim as an asset and foreclose on if the need arises. Nobody wants derelict. So there's the first long-winded answer to your question. I was going to say, boy, I guess we put you in your element because you had a lot of words there. Um, (laughs) So what you're saying is that the privates really come into play or seem attractive for that short-term period. So you're not going to find a private lender that necessarily wants to take on that that financial component mortgage, call it what you will, because it is a risk of, of some sort for like 25, 35 years, like a traditional lender. I think that there would be risks to me as a borrower if I was dealing with a private lender for that long. Like, I don't know, it just seems 
I don't know, mortgage brokers, when they first came out, were considered like back alley, where you went to the back alley to get a mortgage. And that's, that's definitely not where it is nowadays. It's very mainstream. So, you know, I'm just trying to weigh the, the risk for uh, a borrower when it comes to that private lending world. Yeah. So, so a couple of things to note. Number one, provincial uh, mortgage broker regulators are going out of their way to help protect the consumer for any negative or bad intentions from private lenders. Number two, mortgage brokers in some provinces now require special licensing to be able to arrange private mortgages. That means there is additional training, especially in Ontario, that if you're going to do private mortgage brokering, you have to have a special level of education and licensing, again, to protect the consumer. To your question of of, of risk or, or, or does a private lender want to be in on a loan long term, I would argue at the risk of maybe offending some, perhaps many, that a private lender wants to be in and out of a deal in a year or two, okay? And and that is because not only do they make money on the interest that they're charging, they will also traditionally charge a deal fee, just like a broker may charge a deal fee on on a mortgage, on a private mortgage. The private lender may also charge a fee, and that's to cover their administration. I mean, they're just in and out, and then they're leaving. That's how they make their money. Ultimately, I think that a private lender in most cases is a temporary solution that leads to the greater opportunity of going back to traditional lending on on refinancing or when you're disposing of the asset. Maybe you're just going in knowing you're going to get out in a year. Banks don't want to do that kind of business. They want to have you for a long time. They want private lenders all all day long. So they, they have their place in time. If you are going to utilize private lending, Okay, always get your own lawyer representing you, Mm -hmm. full stop. And I have no problem making that statement. If you're borrowing money from a private lender, use your own lawyer to review the documents. That's how you're going to protect yourself. And if anybody is telling you to go to a specific lawyer, if you're being directed, I would immediately decline that offer and go and find your own lawyer to protect your best interests if you're borrowing money from a private lender. Right. Okay. Thanks for that. So we're we're going a little bit longer than normal, but I want to just talk about one thing, other thing quickly, which ties us back to the the cheesecake and the email. Um, so <laughs> is technology. So mm. is it because technology and the world of AI that all of a sudden that we're now able to take advantage of these lenders in a different way? Like we have the ability to do things online that we never used to. Like, what are your thoughts there? So we're not going to get too technical, but the software that is arranged or that is used by mortgage brokers to arrange mortgages, many of those platforms now have the ability to quasi assess the application and recommend which lender and which product is most appropriate for that application type. This is readily available off the shelf already. And through AI, the progression of that, that is that we're starting to see now come out, like as of right now coming out, is that it's actually going to assess the guidelines of the lender, not just does it does do the numbers and formulas match. It's going to assess the guidelines of the lender to determine is this application, is this applicant, is this property a good fit for that lender's guidelines? And that is, you know, we call that on the street AI, right? Artificial mm-hmm. intelligence. What it mm-hmm. really is, it's it's reading the application, it's reading all the information known from that lender and seeing if if they mesh together, if they can work together, okay? 
there's not a cyborg in the background figuring it out. It is literally mathematical formulas and cross analysis of information. Amazing, right? So many things that can be done now that weren't done uh, years ago. So it makes our life easier. Yeah, well, it does for those who know how to use it, because um, that's a whole nother podcast conversation that I just had with somebody else on some on a yeah, we won't go there. Anyways, uh, we're gonna we're gonna end this one. So the mortgage industry is changing just like every other industry right now. Technology is affecting it. We've got the with the, the presence of more private lenders and what we've seen in the last few years. Anything else that you want to leave leave our listeners with when it comes to mortgages, especially in that investment real estate space? Yeah. Uh, so technology is a wonderful thing. Uh, I think having lots of lender options for your specific borrowing needs is good. I would strongly recommend, regardless how much technology and the internet options evolve, there is still a lot of great value in working with a licensed professional mortgage broker to make sure, because there's still intuition, right? There's still that human intuition and that that experience and knowledge that you know a, a computer isn't going to have, right? And we as mortgage brokers use technology to help us solve client solutions, but the majority of the skill set is still coming from our ability and our experience to put a deal together in the best interest of the client, of the borrower, of the investor. So there, there continues to be, and I think there will always be a role of using a professional mortgage broker versus doing it yourself or relying on that bank that you trust by default. I think that's a big mistake too, right? Yeah. So it's back to that high tech make means high touch, right? We have the ability for better human connection with the use of technology. Now, now that's, that's real property. Real. <laughs> well, we're saying it together. Wow. Well, we're saying it together. Should we sing it? Should we dance? Thanks for listening to Canada's Property Management Podcast. If you like this episode, please subscribe and give us a rating, which will help us reach more listeners. Until next time, connect with us on social media and online at realpm.ca. Today's episode is brought to you by Century 21 Canada, the gold standard in real estate. Explore listings, find an agent, and get advice at www.c21.ca.